Blog Talk Radio. Take a licking. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for Super Chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with a Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program, and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, Feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. When you need an incubator, think Brency, the incubation specialist. Brency has been a world-leading manufacturer of incubators for over 30 years. Incubators from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity control and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Visit them online at Brency.com. Brency spelled B-R-I-N-S-E-A. That's Brency.com or call... 1-888-667-7009. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and save 10% on their incubators, brooders, egg candlers, and other incubation accessories. When you need an incubator, think Brency. Technology you can trust. You've just entered a dimension of dirty water, a dimension of poop-filled water, a dimension of stagnant water. You've crossed into the dirty waterer zone. But up ahead is your signpost to cleaner water. 
the BrightTap chicken waterer. The BrightTap waterer is fully covered. Chickens drink from special valves, so dirt and droppings can't get into the water. Chickens get sparkling clean water. You get less work. No poop-filled water pans for you to touch or wash out. BrightTap, clean water made simple. Visit chickenwaterer.com to learn more. That's chickenwaterer.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Give the chicken fountain a try. It's clean water by design. It's a new way to water your flock. Chickens to turkeys to ducks to peacocks. Nothing to lose. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisper, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, we've got a great show lined up for you today. We have, of course, it's Monday, so we've got Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor. He's founder of FirstStateVetSupply.com. And today's topic is very interesting. going to cover really a couple of um, topics today, and one is antibiotic resistance. Uh, in our backyard poultry or in poultry in general. And then the new medication regulations coming in December 2016. Could these new medicine or medication regulations, uh, how can they affect our backyard flock? Will this mean uh, that some of the medications we take for granted now, buying right off the shelf at our local feed and seed store, will they now become prescription only? And if so, how many people are going to pay the extra money to number one, most vet offices will require a vet visit or at least an initial vet visit and then uh, pay extra for the medication because now it will be prescription only. And would this encourage more veterinarians to actually get uh, more educated on the realm of, of taking care of poultry uh, and backyard poultry uh, for our flocks? So would that be a good thing coming out of this that if more vets are uh, now having to uh, prescribe this and these medications, they may need to read up and, and, and extend their knowledge uh, on backyard poultry, which which could be a good thing. But are people going to spend the money? That's that's the question. And, and hopefully Peter will have a list for us of some of the uh, uh, drugs, medications that will become, that we are taking a, a, a maybe advantage of now, buying just right off the shelf 
Now, maybe you'll have a list for us to determine, hey, you know, that's, I use that. I use that on a regular basis. Is it just going to include uh, antibiotics because they're wanting to reduce this antibiotic resistance because people give it so uh, so much? Um, and that may not include the backyard and hobby block uh, owners. I understand that. But, uh, what, what, uh, but, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to talk to uh, Peter about that um, in today's episode when he joins us here shortly. Just wrapped up a uh, rehearsal with the USDA and CDC uh, on the uh, Biosecurity for Backyard Birds webinar. The live webinar will be this Thursday at 7 p.m. This is the first year we've done this where we're doing an evening time frame. So uh, very interested. The numbers have already uh, looked a little higher than they have been in years past for people that have signed up. Space is limited. There is a limited number of spots available for this live webinar. It will be this Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Eastern Daylight Time, 7 p.m. We did that because we had a lot of people said, hey, I'd love to do this, but I'm going to work at 2 p.m. Right. So we're going to try it. Uh, if you want information about uh, signing up for that, you can go to our Facebook page, uh, www.facebook.com forward slash The Chicken Whisperer. And uh, I believe, I'm going to try it out here. I think, uh, let me see if I can just give you a link over the phone uh, right here. Healthy birds. I want to make sure this is it before I, I just spout it out, uh, so you can so you can register. Yes, there it is. www.healthybirds with an s webinar.com. That's www.healthybirds with an s webinar.com. That'll take you right over to the registration page. You'll see my mugshot there, along with uh, my co-host, Dr. Do Joanna Quinn, with the USDA. She's a USDA poultry health specialist, doctor of veterinary medicine, and Dr. Megan Nichols down at the CDC, Center for Disease Control and Prevention. And she's also a doctor of veterinary medicine, and she has her master's in public health. Uh, we just got done rehearsing that webinar. It went really well. Uh, just a few minor changes, and I need to work on um, my slide, which I'll be covering regarding egg washing. Uh, we know there was a great article in Chicken Whisper Magazine last summer about egg washing from a doctor of veterinary medicine who has backyard poultry, who concentrates on backyard poultry and show poultry and 4-H and uh, works out of UC Davis out of California. And so I'll be uh, borrowing some of his information <laughs> from that article. But um, so, so we'll be talking about that. Um, and in the webinar, of course, we'll be talking a lot about the avian influenza outbreak this year, what to expect this fall. Uh, talking about the salmonella outbreak that's occurring right now. And if you missed, by the way, the interview last Wednesday with the Gabriel family right here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, you missed a really good show. Um, it, was, uh, it was fascinating to hear their story, uh, fascinating to hear how the, the experts and doctors feel like his, uh, their son uh, got the salmonella introduced into his body. It wasn't, a, it wasn't, uh, to listen to their biosecurity measures they had in place uh, in their backyard, how long they've had chickens, how they knew of the risks. Uh, but, but it was interesting that the salmonella ended up getting into this young man's bloodstream. It wasn't an issue of uh, kissing chickens, hugging chickens, uh, cleaning uh, out the waters and feeders and being in the coop and then touching his hands to his mouth though it can do that, it can get into your intestines and then get into the bloodstream that way, they, they feel from everything that they've done test-wise that it was entered into the bloodstream immediately, and then they, they, they think it was through a wart. 
on his hand, and that's how the salmonella bacteria got into his bloodstream immediately. ICU for 10 days, um, talked about death many times with their family, discussing that, thought it was leukemia, di practically diagnosed him with leukemia, started a, uh, a plant uh, on that, saw a mass in his chest, uh, ended up being the infection caused by the salmonella. Amazing story, and, and I'm, uh, it was great because, uh, not that it happened to them, but it was great for people to hear a different story other than, oh, you'll get some diarrhea and vomiting, big deal, I can live with that and then everything will be fine. And if I have a bad case, I'll go to the hospital. It's a totally different aspect from the presenting um, signs and symptoms for this young man, very healthy lacrosse player, six foot, 200 pounds, 14 years old, healthy. The CDC actually commented, thank goodness he was that healthy because it may have been a horrible turnout if he wasn't. Um, so based on the, uh, um, the severity of this case, so uh, you can listen to that archive show 24 hours a day, seven days a week, blogtalkradio.com forward slash backyard poultry. And uh, that was a, and then of course we welcomed Megan Nichols from the CDC to talk a little bit about the current outbreak. Um, and uh, at this time, uh, and I'm and uh, uh, still giving them a little flack about this over at the CDC. You know, uh, I'll do that and ask the tough questions. But at this point, it has not been. Uh, it has not been the decision has not been made yet to release the names of the hatcheries involved in this year's outbreak. Uh, when I question them on that, I get answers like, "Well, we want them to concentrate on uh, the theory that all chickens have the potential to carry salmonella, so use biosecurity measures, use those uh, precautions to to prevent that." Um, and and they're still not done with all the trace backs yet. We do know. Uh, or it's been kind of relayed through the information that it's uh, several outbreaks, maybe from several, I don't know what several means, two or six uh, hatcheries. Uh, there's four or five different types of salmonella involved in this outbreak, so they're still looking at traceback. It hasn't been finally uh, just made the decision. We're not releasing them ever, but at this time they're not releasing the name of the hatcheries um, involved. So uh, that'll be interesting to see if they do that. I, I'm... I, I shared with them my disappointment in that. Not that we want to hatchery bash. It's not the goal, but it is to get as much knowledge and information and education to the people who, uh, my question for them was, by by giving this information out, by identifying the hatcheries, would that not mean people had now have the ability to choose where to buy from, um, maybe maybe this year anyway, not buy from that hatchery? And then would that, wouldn't that in turn kind of reduce the risk and maybe prevent some people from getting sick. That's our ultimate goal in this, is, is it not? So um, uh, just uh, putting some pressure on them as well to see and try to figure out why they're not releasing the names of the hatcheries at this time. They may end up doing it, uh, but not at this time. We don't have that information. It's still an ongoing outbreak, which it was updated last week, and, and the number of ill had increased. All right, let's go over here to the phone lines. We have Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply, joining us live today. And our uh, topic again Get those pens and uh, pencils and paper ready, antibiotic resistance, and the new medication regulations uh, coming in December 2016. So that's going to be interesting, too. Uh, let's welcome Peter Brown to the show with a big round of applause. Hey, Peter, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Andy, how are you? Good. I didn't have a chance to, to call you back um, because we went right into that rehearsal for the webinar today. But um, the, I know we're going to get the antibiotic resistance first and then to the medical uh, uh, medication regulations. But um, a lot of questions about that for December 2016. 
mainly if you have a list uh, of a few medications that a lot of urban backyard people, the smaller flock, the backyard chicken keepers may be using now that they may uh, now end up having to get a prescription for, um, is do you think these new regulations would, um, some of the questions we'll touch on later, do you think some of the new regulations will actually uh, reduce the care people are giving because they're going to the loopholes. Oh, now I have to go and have a pay for a doctor's visit to be seen. Now I have to get the prescription through him, which is probably going to cost more, and and it's going to delay my care for my birds. I, and more people may not do it. Oh, I don't. I can't, I can't afford that. I could just go buy it off the shelf for fourteen ninety five, and now it's thirty four ninety five, and I have to pay a doctor's visit. Um, all that, uh, you know, all those questions come come into play. Um, but on a good note, would it may encourage these doctors that, that really don't have a lot of information or education about poultry uh, now that it may fall into them and they may start having to write some prescriptions for uh, this poultry medication that we use, uh, encourage them to get more training, to get more educated, to then can provide some care to some birds or more vets to provide care and open their practice up to backyard blocks where they're not now. This may encourage that. But those are some questions that, that we'll have for you uh, regarding the medication regulations a little bit later. But antibiotic resistance, it's a big topic, um, uh, obviously, around the country, both for humans, uh, with parents. Oh, he's got a cold. Give him an antibiotic. Oh, he's got this. Give him an antibiotic. And the, and the resistance from, from pumping the uh, commercial birds, as people claim, with all these antibiotics. And we're seeing that. I know there's been a lot of uh, restraints now. There's been a lot of rule changes regarding limiting the antibiotics that we're giving poultry um, and, and animals in general to try to reduce the big antibiotic resistance uh, issue we have as humans now with, with our own illnesses. Uh, I know there's been a lot of research with using uh, the uh, oil of oregano to try to um, have some of the same uh, um, effects of using antibiotic. I know there's been some studies done on that, both in turkeys and poultry. Even with some of the big commercial hatcheries using uh, the oregano uh, versus antibiotic and seeing some of the same, if not better, results from that and getting away from antibiotic. Um, so uh, just a really hot topic, and I'm glad uh, it's going to be the topic for today's uh, um, show. So I'll, I'll kind of turn it over to you and uh, chime in if I have any questions or comments uh, along the way. Yeah, it's a, this is an interesting subject. Um, uh, people think that it's just something that's cropped up recently, but um, uh, truth be told, antibiotic resistance has been going on uh, since the discovery of the very first antibiotic. Um, it's uh, an ongoing thing, continues to, uh, uh, to, to go on, and um, it is... Uh, not only uh, use of uh, antibiotics in uh, farm animals uh, and animals for, for, uh, that are being used for, uh, for food, uh, antibiotic resistance is quite rampant on, on the human side. Uh, there are those that will, <clears throat> will argue uh, you know, that it's just as bad on one side as it is on the other. Uh, I would say that, you know, uh, just from my experience and, and, and uh, the, the knowledge that I have about it and having talked to different people, uh, it is a huge problem all around the world uh, in the animal sector uh, due to the amount of, uh, of uh, antibiotics that are used. And it really doesn't matter um, if you're using um, a uh, antibiotic as a growth promoter. Now, you might want to think, uh, you know, say, well, why? Would, how is that a growth promoter? Uh, simply because it keeps the gut healthy uh, from a standpoint of keeping uh, uh, disease-type bacteria in check. So they use it as a, at a very low level. Uh, to give you an example, 
um, using Amprol uh, in the feed, that's what we call a medicated feed, medicated starter, um, <clears throat> you're using a small amount to keep uh, the bird's um, uh, system uh, and its gut from being overwhelmed by the coccidia. Um, but, you know, this product has been in use for in excess of 50 years, and uh, it's um, uh, got a lot of resistance to it, you know, worldwide, um, even when it's used at a, at a stronger strength. Um, anybody that's listened to the show has always heard me say that, you know, every organism wants to live, human, animal, virus, bacteria, fungi, whatever you want to call it, they all... They all want to live, and they all have a, a methodology to to uh, to work around these things. So it doesn't matter if you're um, giving it a, if, uh, things at a low level. Uh, certainly, that that might exacerbate things, make them move along a little faster. But it also, uh, even if you're taking the proper dose uh, of antibiotics, uh, or you're taking an antibiotic that uh, isn't necessary for the condition that you have, uh, for instance, in humans, virus versus cold. Um, you go to the doctor. You pay your, your uh, either your copay or you pay uh, a office visit uh, of a fair amount of money, uh, and uh, you get in there and you start moaning and groaning. And doctors, uh, let me get rid of this nut job real quick, and they write you a prescription for amoxicillin. Mm-hmm. Walk out the door. You're happy. Uh, your gut's not going to be happy. Uh, you're going to get diarrhea more than likely from it uh, by taking it. Not only that. Uh, after a few days, the virus is going to start to subside. You're going to get tired of taking the pills, and there the bottle sits on the on the counter uh, and goes into the uh, medicine cabinet, and you probably never touch it again. Meanwhile, uh, the uh, microbes that are in your, your intestine uh, are building resistance to it automatically, um, very quickly. Um, those that are not killed off and those that survive uh, maybe it won't happen the first time around, but uh, they have a genetic workaround. A, a, they develop or carry a mutant gene to to um, uh, work around this antibiotic and make it null and void. It's only a small group of them usually in the beginning, but here's the kicker with these things. And again, it goes back because I think I think all of this is fascinating that these these organisms want to live so badly uh, that. Um, uh, they go through this this, this process, um, and the funny part about it is that unrelated bacteria who are resistant are able to share this resistance to a drug with with unrelated bacteria. They um, uh, they bump into each other, which stimulates a chemical to be produced that attracts the two to each other, and then pores open up in the uh, cells uh, of each. Uh, of the different bacteria, and they exchange a strand of DNA that is uh, resistant. So one that didn't even get the antibiotic uh, can and does now become uh, resistant. So it is a problem. Uh, it's a problem worldwide. Um, other countries have jumped on on uh, the bandwagon um, uh, quicker than we have. Uh, I believe um, the European Union started uh, – uh, disallowing the use of uh, antimicrobials uh, in food-producing animals for growth promotion back in 2006. Okay, and um, you know the cry from from industry, 
you know, worldwide in the beginning is, oh, my God, oh, my God, what are we going to do? They're going to die there. And, and in some cases that may be. But um, one of the interesting things that, that has been found out by uh, getting away from antibiotics in other countries uh, is that by making uh, changes to the strategy uh, with which we use to uh, uh, raise these animals uh, makes a difference makes a big difference. Uh, we've done multiple shows uh, uh, concerning uh, stress. Uh, and everybody who's listened uh, knows that the corticosteroids that, that are given off. So by managing the animals better, whether they be chickens, whether they be hogs, whether they be cattle or whatever, um, makes a huge difference in how susceptible an animal is going to be uh, to uh, microbes. Um, they can, in many cases, live with a lot of uh, different microbes all around them uh, and not become infected by them until there's some sort of breakdown in that rearing process. And we've all seen it. We've all seen the, the pictures uh, uh, in the uh, social media and elsewhere about uh, uh, animals being reared in, in uh, filthy conditions, uh, crowded one on top of another, uh, and, and all of these d uh, different things. So <clears throat> it is a big deal. Um, and it needs to be addressed, and in this country uh, it is going to be slower uh, than most uh, to be addressed. Um, the Food and Drug Administration for many years uh, stayed away from it uh, and only recently uh, has uh, embraced a set of rules that are designed to uh, speed up the process uh, to get a lot of uh, medications uh, uh I won't say taken off the market, but put in a position where they are uh, to be given on the order of a veterinarian who has actually seen the animal. And we're talking here uh, from what I've been able to read anyway. They're talking about food-producing animals. And this may be the first time. I haven't read the regulation from top to bottom, um, uh, but it appears to me from what I have read uh, that it's, they're talking about food-producing animals. Um, that doesn't make, make it that you're going to be able to get the uh, medications over time uh, off the shelf. Um, I think that there's going to be a huge uh, move uh, to get away from doing that, uh, and that will probably be caught up in this whole thing. And uh, any medication that has uh, human uh, use significance uh, and is still being used uh, in the human sector or a drug classification where... Um, they are still mining drugs from that particular classification, uh, you know, they will uh, certainly make sure that uh, those drugs are uh, under the watchful eye of, uh, of a veterinarian. Now, some of this stuff has been tried before and failed miserably. Um, go back to, um, I can't remember the year now, but quite a few years ago, uh, this would have been pre-Clinton administration, so it's a good while ago. Um, the uh, Batril came on the market for use in uh, turkeys and chickens. Uh, it was specifically originally came on the market for use in turkeys for foul cholera, and uh, it was available, uh, I think it was a 3.23% solution, came in a gallon and a quart, uh, so went in a drinking water very easily. And this was supposed to be monitored very closely by the uh, veterinarians for the major poultry companies 
So uh, instead of a serviceman going to the farm and saying, uh, calling back and saying to the uh, veterinarian, uh, we've got a problem with air sac on this farm and uh, need a prescription for uh, for uh, Batril, it was supposed to be that the veterinarian actually stepped foot on the farm and did a post-mortem and maybe even did some testing uh, to see exactly what it was and then uh, in-house write a prescription and then the serviceman would get the uh, grower uh, producer to uh, administer the drug. That's the way it was supposed to work. Well, it didn't work that way. So sometimes the honor system isn't always the best way to go. Uh, I believe it was in the second George Bush uh, um, administration that the uh, Batril was finally removed from the market uh, and banned for use in all poultry, period. And um, it's because of the misuse of it in the beginning that we got uh, the uh, product taken off the market. Um, one of the reasons for this was that the government <clears throat> was saying that uh, uh, they were doing their own monitoring and they were saying that there were more more uh, cases of uh, Campylobacter, which is a bacteria that uh, um, is uh, very prevalent in the broiler industry, and uh, that they were more resistant uh, to it um, because of the uh, introduction of the Batril. Now, the problem, the other uh, problem with the Batril, which is in the drug classification called a fluoroquinolone, okay, and uh, they are still mining uh, drugs out of that. Uh, when I say mining, still developing, still searching uh, for uh, new drugs to come out of that particular drug classification. Um, some people might know the uh, have taken uh, Cipro. Cipro and Batril are in the same drug category. They are both uh, fluoroquinolones. Uh, there was one years ago uh, that was a rival to Batril, but it didn't pan out as well. It, that was uh, Seraflox or Seraflocsacin. Okay. Uh, and it was voluntarily removed uh, by the company that produced it for poor performance uh, in the field. But um, so that's kind of where we are now. And this uh, this new directive uh, 213 that the uh, government has put out uh, is voluntary. And the reason that they've gone this particular route, um, uh, companies uh, can either get on board and uh, uh, give up these. Um, uh, licenses to, to make these particular drugs and sell them in the combinations and or singly uh, the way they uh, are, or the government will fight them tooth and nail, and it just takes a lot longer. Uh, you can see that uh, during the Clinton administration, uh, they wanted Batril off the market in the worst way. Well, it didn't happen for quite a few years later. And then usually... Um, when a company usually knows that it's imminent that a product is going to be pulled from the market, uh, they have a warehouse full of this stuff to sell, and they're usually allowed to sell that off. So it, it lingers around for a lot longer period of time. Uh, this might be one of the few things that I agree with the government, not fighting over it, but saying, hey, guys, look, you know, here's the evidence. Here's the products that we want to uh, take off, the ones that are um, um, you know, medically useful for, for humans. And one of the biggest classifications and one of the drugs that gets used the most um, in uh, all kinds of uh, farm animals, not just uh, chickens, and that would be your tetracycline group, okay? Uh, those uh, 
out there would know it as uh, duramycin. Uh, so you'd have your tetracycline, uh, which is basically the duramycin. Then you would have uh, your uh, oreomycin, which is your chlortetracycline, your former teramycin, which was your oxytetracycline, which is now uh, oxytet as a, uh, as a generic, uh, the original teramycin uh, having been taken off the market a couple, three years ago. And that was a voluntary thing by the company, uh, Pfizer. Um, and uh, so you're, you're seeing this movement now, and um, we, uh, the original thought about this that uh, that I was being told by people was that you know well it's just it's just the feed additives, and I think one of the things that people don't understand about the uh, this whole uh, medication industry is that there are a slew of products that are used um, not only in poultry but in all kinds of different animals, hogs, sheep, um, uh, chickens, turkeys, uh, beef cattle, dairy cattle. Um, I, I believe, and don't hold me to the number because it's immaterial, uh, but I did read an article several years ago that uh, there are about 86 different medications uh, being used on dairy cows, uh, but as a general rule, only two are tested for. So it makes a lot of people nervous that uh, there could be, um, you know, some residue uh, in, uh, um, you know, in, in milk. Penicillin is one of the ones they use uh, in uh, dairy cows, and these are used for uh, mastitis, which is a, a disease that they get in the uh, in the teats of their udder. So, um, you know, there's a, a lot of concern. Uh, the concern is uh, worldwide. Um, Europe, again, is moving faster than, than we are. Uh, but we're making some progress here. Uh, I, as most of you know and have heard me talk, I live in a heart of poultry country here on the East Coast, uh, um, on the peninsula here, Maryland, Delaware, and Virginia. And um, you can go down the road now and you can see farms that um, have signs up, antibiotic-free farm. And uh, that's a huge improvement. And part of that's because of um, uh, Chipotle um, and um, Panera Bread and a few other restaurants and, and other uh, food uh, uh, distributors are demanding that they have, um, uh, you know, antibiotic-free. And people want to twist things around and say, well, you know, the government says you can't have an antibiotic. Well, it, the, the amount of residue that's allowed is minuscule, but people are looking for animals, chickens, whichever, that have never been raised on antibiotics, period. Okay? That's what people are looking for. That's what people want. And um, so we're going to end up probably losing a lot of stuff that was over-the-counter. And this, this is already going on in Europe. You can't buy anything like we can here over in Europe. You can't even buy insecticides without uh, uh, special dispensation from the Pope. Okay? And, uh, you know, all of that is going to end up coming here eventually, how, how strong it will be. I don't know. Uh, it remains to be seen because this is a huge uh, move um, uh, to limit what the Food and Drug Administration has determined to be medically important uh, drugs. Um, and uh, that doesn't mean that they're not going to allow drugs to be used on uh, food-producing animals. It's just that they are going to be watching a lot closer um, and these animals will be tested for a lot more drugs going into the processing plants and so on. And um, uh, they will make people 
adhere to these rules uh, by doing that testing when a flock or, or whichever goes to a processing plant. Um, if you've got 100,000 chickens coming out of a chicken house and they test positive for a drug, guess what? They're not going to test every one. They're going to contend the whole bunch of them. And it won't take too much of that before somebody will get the message. Uh, they already do those for uh, a number of, of drugs as it is. So um, we're going to see that movement get stronger and stronger and stronger. And they are talking about, uh, um, like I said, somebody had said it was just feed additives, but I have seen part of the regulation where they are talking about uh, the uh, antibiotics that are added to um, to the uh, drinking water as well. Um, so we're, we're going to see that, uh, and we're going to see things tighten up quite a bit by the end of 2016, early 2017, uh, just how deep and how hard that's going to be on everybody I think remains to be seen. But right now they're asking the manufacturers to um, do this on a voluntary basis, uh, again, so that uh, it will hopefully speed up the process uh, and, and make life a lot easier for everybody instead of it becoming a dogfight. Um, the companies that had the Baytrill, which was Bayer, it was their product, uh, they fought tooth and nail but lost in the end. And uh, uh, it's not like they got to run out and hire a lawyer. They've got a slew of them sitting uh -huh. there, uh, you know, uh, in their in – their, uh, uh, I guess you call it judicial department or whatever. But um, I think it's – <clears throat> to move on just a little bit here, uh, the, these uh, bacteria, so uh, you're going to give them an antibiotic. Uh, a few of them are going to survive, um, and um, uh, those that survive are going to uh, develop or have this uh, mutant uh, gene. Uh, this mutant uh, gene is going to, next time around, resist that uh, um, uh, antibiotic that you're giving. Um, these um, uh, bacteria reproduce crazily, okay, um, and the amount of, of, uh, of uh, microbes that, that can come from uh, one in a 24-hour period, um, just to give you an idea. So you say, well, it's no big deal. It's just a few. No, it's just a, a few in the beginning, but it's a tremendous amount over the course of 24 hours, somewhere in the, in the, in the course of 17 million, Okay. So you multiply that out by that many that are resistant, and it becomes a problem very quickly. And, it, and again, it doesn't matter if we have um, animals that have had a ton of antibiotic or just a little bit of antibiotic. It's happening all the time. Now, I think, uh, on another note, you heard me say at the outset of this that we were, you know, uh, this has been going on uh, since the uh, advent of, of antibiotics. So two things I want to share with you because I think it's it's important and I think it helps drive home the point more so than uh, trying to go into uh, all of the little gobbledygook of the Food and Drug Administration's directive. Um, I think to take away from that, one of the things to understand that uh, there are going to be changes. We're not going to like them. Um, and whether or not you'll be able to still get everything down the road, uh, I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll see what they, what they end up doing. I know we've already lost two um uh, uh, water-soluble antibiotics, and one they've been after for years. Uh, that's Thailand water-soluble. And again, that product was supposed to be controlled by the company that sold it, and it was only supposed to be used in turkeys. You can buy it anywhere. Anywhere. Always have been able to. And the Food and Drug Administration will end up you know, slapping the hands of companies like that because 
according to the Food and Drug Administration, the rules and regulations, they're supposed to have control of their drug, and they don't. And that's one of the reasons why you're seeing it, you know, taken off the market. Just one of the many. But um, the um, so if you go back and you look at penicillin being developed about what 1928, uh, somewhere in that range. Uh, by the time we got to World War One, World War Two, we were already seeing widespread uh, antibiotic resistance and penicillin at that point in time. So if you were seeing it back then. In the 40s, it would just stand to reason that it would be a heck of a lot worse now. I mean, it's just common sense, and uh, and it is. Uh, there are many uh, different types of penicillins, but uh, you know, uh, derivatives of different ones. But it, it, they, they are less effective now than than they have ever been. If you go back and you look at, um, we used to have a uh, product that was an injectable called Combiotic, dihydrostreptomycin, and penicillin. And this was a fantastic product, um, but it's also uh, the dihydrostreptomycin uh, was the frontline product for taking care of tuberculosis in humans. Well, when we allowed, started allowing people uh, to live on the streets in cardboard boxes and elsewhere, um, these people started developing uh, tuberculosis and uh, going to clinics and getting medication. And like all people who... I won't say all, but a preponderance of people who take medication, once you start feeling a lot better, you don't go back. You stop taking it. We've all done it. And now uh, we don't have uh, a, a very good arsenal of drugs anymore to take care of tuberculosis. It's a huge problem worldwide because of the antibiotic resistance to it, and a lot of that was because people went there, took the medication, felt better, stopped going. Went back when they felt crappy again, took the medication, felt better, went about their business. And don't forget, this is spread by sputum, spitting, uh, talking to somebody, and a little bit of saliva comes out of their mouth and hits you. Uh, you rub your face. Uh, uh, maybe it's a friend of yours. You don't say anything that they just gave you a bath, but you don't know it. They're carrying tuberculosis, and now you're, you've got it possibly. Uh, so there's a whole lot of you know, rhyme and, and reason uh, you know, to this stuff. Um, and uh, again, this is not, nothing new. It's all been here uh, since the antibiotic uh, uh, era started, and uh, it will continue to be here. And um, but I think it's it's interesting to to see how these um, um, bacteria work, and that workaround, and that wanting to for some reason which. Has not to my knowledge been discovered why, but sharing it with a a different uh, bacteria and making them resistant at the same time, I think that's absolutely wild. Just in my in my train of thought of thinking about how these things uh, operate and how they work. Uh, but um, so then we move on and we look at um, um, what are other countries doing. Uh, in the Netherlands, in uh, somewhere around 2009, um, and I didn't know this uh, until I read it back then, but they uh, are heavy or were heavy users of uh, of uh, antibiotics in their livestock. Okay, second in the world to the United States, and um, they uh, 
and I say they, their um, Minister of Health and, and what have you, decided that uh, they were going to challenge the uh, uh, animal producers there to reduce their antibiotic use 50% in three years. And um, believe it or not, uh, farmers there, because, look, there's a cost to it, too. There's two costs. You've got mortality if you don't do anything, and you've got the cost of the antibiotics. I've seen in lots of cases where the cost of the antibiotic outweighed what you were going to get for the animals at the end of the day. So it isn't always uh, a thing where you use the antibiotic and, you know, everything was fat, dumb, and happy, and you came out a winner. Uh, many times it was just getting them to the market and hoping you could break even. So lo and behold, a preponderance of the uh, producers in the Netherlands embraced this, and over the course of two years, okay, this would make it right around 2011, uh, a, a year ahead of time, reduced their antibiotic use in uh, farm and food animals by over 50%. And there are the naysayers all around the world. If you take away the antibiotics, everybody's going to die uh, at one point in time. In my career, I was that way too, okay? But once you start understanding the dynamics of everything and you start looking at things, uh, how they're being uh, reared, um, you know, the, the quality of the water that an animal drinks is, is a big deal, uh, stresses that they're at, under, uh, space, fighting, uh, uh, breeding, all of these different uh, parameters that, that uh, can help to break down the immune system and open these animals up. So what they've done there is that uh, in some cases they've changed uh, feed formulations to be, uh, uh, to be better, more nutritious. They've, uh, um, in the case of some pigs, they've raised the, uh, the, uh, the temperature where in the barn, which has uh, led to less cases of, of pneumonia. They've tried to keep the barns drier rather than uh, washing things down with water all the time. Uh, just one change after another that led them to the point where they were able to get away from a lot of this stuff. Didn't cure all of their ills, but they actually are not unhappy that they did it. I'm sure there are some naysayers in the bunch, and those probably are the ones that have the, you know, the worst facilities, uh, don't have the money or won't spend the money to upgrade and that kind of stuff. We see it all the time. Change is hard for everybody, self included. Okay, I mean, God Almighty, nobody's a worse creature habit than I am. God, but uh, changes come hard, and uh, but they were able to do it in two years' time. So I, you know, I think that uh, down the road uh, we will see uh, more and more um, people getting away from these things and going to more natural things. And Andy, you had mentioned in the beginning about the use of uh, the oil of oregano, I can tell mm -hmm. you, um, uh, and I, can, I, I have the authority to use this individual's name, Alan, Alan Eastep, he's from Virginia. Um, we've become friends. He's actually a client, but uh, he's got a, a, a flock of uh, speckled Sussex birds that he started from scratch, hatched everyone on his, on his place, and they've been on the oil of oregano from day one, and he's never had a sick bird. And he has other birds that, you know, uh, prior to these particular birds, he's running his own experiment that had never been on it and, um, you know, using a fair amount of medication on those and none on the others. And, again, this goes back to uh, talking about where the uh, gut-associated lymphoid tissue 
part of the immune system. The majority of it lies in the intestine of all of these animals, humans and otherwise, by keeping it healthy with uh, oil of oregano, uh, probiotics, and so on. And um, goes a long way to, to uh, you know, getting you to the point where you can get away from these things. And um, he's, he's one. The um, other fellow up here with the turkeys is another. Still, no problem with blackhead. Been on oil of oregano now almost four years. Okay. Uh, Walt Radzewski up in Connecticut. Uh, Walt has a, a whole bunch of different animals. They all get it. The goats, the sheep, the chickens, the ducks, the, the geese, everybody. They all get it. And it's made his life a lot easier. Uh, Walt's a disabled veteran. Um, he um, had difficulty in the wintertime, clean, you know, cleaned it out because of the snow and all that kind of stuff. He was able to, because of the oil of oregano, cut down on the ammonia, which gave him a little bit more time to get around and do all of his chores and get all that stuff done. So he's a big fan of it. I've got other people that are just one after another uh, that have gotten on this particular product and like what they see. Will everybody like you what eat, they see? No. Pardon? Right. You even got big commercial farms. I mean, some big boys, big names that are that are using this and have seen Absolutely. some very, very positive outcomes with this. Yeah, and you know, again, you, if you keep the animals healthy from the get-go, um, you're going to have less and less problems over the course of time. It's just that simple. And, um, but uh, it, it's it's uh, it's really not not rocket science. And and to to see this this country, the Netherlands, back in two years' time, go from you know being the second largest user of uh, you know antimicrobials and drugs uh, in the world, second to this country, and to cut that by fifty percent—that's huge. Mm-hmm. That is that is huge but um, at any rate um, you said you had some questions uh, Andy yeah well especially regarding that medication uh, regulations that are coming up in 2016 so um, let me go to commercial break uh, we're talking with Peter Brown also known as the chicken doctor and founder of firststatevetsupply.com I encourage you to visit his website often and and I make that your first stop when you're looking for something uh, for a healthy backyard flock. That's firststatevetsupply.com. And we'll return with more Peter Brown talking about antibiotic resistance and, of course, the new medication regulations coming in December of 2016. Stay with us, folks. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then check out Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from 100% appearance-grade western red cedar with galvanized hardware and advanced all-weather joinery right here in the USA. Compared to other coops, Urban Coop Company coops will last longer and look better doing it. They're designed to be both beautiful and functional. In fact, they have earned the Chicken Whisperer seal of approval and are Chicken Whisperer approved. I invite you to browse their website to learn more about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. Urban Coop Company is a family-owned business located in Dripping Springs, Texas, USA. They are passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit them online at urbancoopcompany.com. 
That's UrbanCoopCompany.com. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business, providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for the beginner or advanced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it comes time to order. Shop online at www.strombergschickens.com or call today at one 800 720-1134. Remember, that's StrombergChickens.com. Love Nest brings the natural goodness of herbs to you in your backyard with handcrafted organic blends for your backyard friends. Packaged in a resealable bag, 100% USDA certified organic, Love Nest blends come ready to sprinkle directly into the nesting R coop bedding and are completely natural and edible. There's Love Nest Chick Mix Blend, a gentle herb blend perfect for young chicks. Love Nest Layer Blend, designed to help support laying and soothe ruffled feathers. And Love Nest Critter Ritter Blend is naturally effective against those unwelcome guests such as lice, moths, and other pests. Ask for Love Nest at your favorite local feed store or visit them online at www.loveluv-nest.com. And try Love Nest Organic Blends for your backyard friends today. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. And uh, bring back uh, live here through the switchboard, uh, Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken 
Doctor, yeah, just a, a few questions. Um, do you mentioned maybe a couple earlier? I may have missed it. If if you have kind of a um, a name, a few, or have a list of some of the ones that may end up being uh, prescription only that a lot of backyard chicken keepers may use today. Well, I think that uh, for sure, um, on, like I said, on a worldwide basis, the mm-hmm. um, tetracycline group. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me, um, you know, that um, they're they're looking to relabel some of these things now. Whether or not they'll put a uh, prescription only on it, um, I think the one of the things uh, of uh, this low-level use will probably be taken off of everything, irregardless whether it's script or not. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's probably just a little bit too early to tell. I, I know they're after all of the feed stuff for sure, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know a feed mill has to be licensed in order to make some of these feeds. You just can't start up a feed mill and 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 buy the product. You can't buy it without without having uh, a, a government license to to make uh, what they call medicated feeds. Um, but you know, like ampol and that kind of stuff, you'll probably still be able to get those things because it's really not a drug; it's an antagonist. Mm-hmm. But you know, over-the-counter penicillin that you can buy now probably won't be able to get that at all. Uh, I would say that um, uh, more than likely, we're, you know, we've already seen the gallomycin go uh, prescription mm-hmm. only. We've seen the Thailand water soluble go that way. So it wouldn't surprise me that if you see some of these others out of this tetracycline group. Um, and I don't know if anybody is taking into account, you know, the, the backyard uh, type of situation. I know they're looking at the over-the-counter stuff as, as well. So it just depends on, on uh, you know, if I get more information on it, as I get deeper into it myself because I'm always looking at it. And, and, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I, I just know that the, the regulation, it's typical government stuff. They, they take you all over the place. They, they use 14 different places to look at one item, you know, and it's... it's uh, yep. It's, It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see if, if some things do become uh, prescription only, if the other medications that are not and that are still readily available over the counter uh, in the local feed and uh, seed store become used that much more, whether it's appropriate for the birds or not because they're just available and, and less hassle and less money to get. It'll be interesting to see if, if things do become more prescription only if um, the overall care of, of some, maybe not all, but some backyard birds may decline because of the additional cost, the additional hassle, the additional time of, oh, now I've got to do a, a find a vet. Now, oh, now I've got to, he's going to require me to do a uh, an office visit and i got to pay for that just to get a prescription of this that I've been buying for the last few years uh, anyway. Uh, if if that will end up delaying care for the birds and, and maybe to, to, to wrap up and get your two cents worth, um, if more of the backyard flock, quote-unquote, meds that people are using become prescription only, do you think that would uh, encourage some of these doctors that may not have a lot of background in backyard poultry say, oh, this is falling on, under me now, more responsibility for me to, to do the right thing? I may need to freshen up a little bit or do some research and get more educated on 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 uh, on poultry. What do you think? Uh, it, it might, but I, uh, knowing the market as I do, and 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 knowing mm-hmm. you know my own position in it, um, how difficult it is to get paid for what you know. Um, <laughs> I can't see 
I can't see people rushing to, uh, uh, you know, to the uh, veterinarian. They're not doing it now. Um, mm-hmm. Even those that that have, uh, uh, you know, I know recently some people have spent seven, eight hundred dollars and still in the same position they were in prior to going to to the vet. Not saying that they're not uh, doing their job, but if they're not familiar, uh, you know, with the types of medications that work uh, on chickens, uh, um, you know, and a lot of them are still, you know, still, uh, you know, recommending drugs that are not supposed to be used in the first place. So, um, you know, there's a lot of room on their side of the fence for education. Um, you know, people talk about avian vets. Avian vets, uh, the, the vast majority of them are, are, uh, you know. Uh, parrot guys and mm-hmm, parakeet mm-hmm. guys, uh, and you know, not to disparage them at all. I mean, it, you know, that's what they do. That's where the money is, and uh, you know, you can set up a wonderful practice and spend you know a couple hundred thousand dollars setting up you know all the equipment and everything else, and uh, you know, how many people with a two-dollar chicken are going to come walking through the door to keep that practice going? Probably mm-hmm. not very many, you know. <laughs> um, and again, you know that that's the the chicken has been on the low end of the totem pole uh since time began. I mean, it's been an expendable item uh for for the most part. That's not everybody. We all know that. And I'm not talking about those that are willing to do it and have the 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 resources and so on. But um what I'm saying is the vast majority of people do not. And the vast mm-hmm. majority of people, I mean, how many times you've heard of people, well, it's just chicken. Yes, just chicken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, and I and I understand where all of them are coming from. The one that thinks it's just a chicken, and the one that has it as, uh, you know, its best friend, or or it's part of its flock, and it's it's going to take care of it no matter what. And and I, I get all of it, but I to, I no, I don't see it. I see some maybe doing it, uh, you know, in an area where uh, their you know chickens might be uh, more prevalent. But I also <clears throat> am uh, concerned about this avian influenza outbreak. Uh, mm-hmm. That is now, for the moment, uh, you know, contained. Um, but I see things coming down the road. Uh, you know, the the quickness that some states moved to uh, ban poultry shows, even at this time of the year, uh, when we all basically know that it's not more than likely going to be a problem, uh, concerns me. Um, you know, I understand the due diligence. I understand the abundance of caution. But um, um, you know, if we go and we look at this uh, outbreak out west, uh, a lot of it was self-inflicted. A lot of it. Um, you know, their their unwillingness to follow proper protocols, not having proper protocols in place, uh, swapping personnel uh, on on. Uh, from one farm to another without any disinfection, uh, vehicles, equipment, uh, you name it. Um, you know, a lot of that was, it was spread around by them, you know. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a can of worms at best, but I guarantee you there's probably a bunch of changes going to come down the road and there's nobody going to like them. And if it doesn't happen this time around, you just wait and see if, it, if we have a huge outbreak this fall. It's mm-hmm. going to hurt everybody, self-included, because, you know, I go to poultry shows, too. And uh, one of mine's already been canceled, and I'm, I'm sure the other one's going to be canceled as well. And, you know, you start whittling them down, and first thing you know, it gets uh, tougher for everybody. So it's, uh, you know, what happens if they decide, okay, uh, we're not going to allow any shipping of any chickens anywhere? That's a possibility. This thing gets out of hand, you know, and... Uh, 
you know, they keep talking about a vaccine. Okay, fine, a vaccine, but other countries don't want it. They don't want mm-hmm. your chickens mm-hmm. that have been vaccinated. They don't care what it is. They don't care if it's a killed vaccine. They don't care what it is. They don't want it. And mm-hmm. you know, the, so the, the market ramifications are, are pretty pretty astounding. You know, when, people, when I post things about the salmonella outbreak, uh, the salmonella outbreak, the avian influenza outbreak, things like that that, that are occurring uh, you know, real time. And, you know, you'll, you'll have the folks that uh, will always say, well, it's, this is just a ploy to take our birds away. This is just an, well, well, probably not now, but you keep kissing your chickens and see what happens. Keep having poor, keep, you know, it, you know, it's like if they wanted to take your chickens away, they could take your chickens away with a stroke of a pen. It would be that easy. The state vet, boom, five seconds, and your chickens are gone. Um, regardless, at the at the federal level, people just seem to ignore the 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 the, the, the in North Carolina, where they're um, requiring everybody to register. That, that's state level. The USD doesn't have anything to do with that. That's the state vet signing his signature in, in three seconds, and that's taking taking place. But, uh, oh, they just want to take care. They just want to, okay, fine. Keep providing poor biosecurity to your backyard flock. Keep kissing them and cuddling them and keep spreading the salmonella and getting salmonella and giving the CDC some business. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you'll see. You'll, you'll be the cause of that if it happens. It has nothing to do because uh, they don't want you to have it. It's just, you know, just keep, keep doing it and see what happens. You, you may end up <laughs> being the cause of it because you keep kissing and hugging your chickens, bringing them inside, taking pictures of them on the kitchen, on the kitchen counter. Uh, while you're provi- while you're providing, you know, preparing food, it's just um, yeah. There you go. Oh my goodness. Hey man, great episode and a great topic. Uh, concerns everybody and uh, both the antibiotic resistance and of course the new medication uh, regulations that are also uh, you know, the big uh, uh, feed uh, dealers and uh, as well as the backyarder. It can uh, kind of trickle down there and and all the information in uh, today's episode. So, Peter, thanks for joining us today. And um, we look forward to having you back on uh, next Monday for another great episode with whatever topic uh, you bring to the table. We appreciate you. Yeah, we'll come back and visit this again because this is going to be ongoing now for the next year plus. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it will be smart to watch it, and I will. And if we have anything worthwhile to put out to people, we will do that. That sounds great. Yes, we will. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. We'll have a great week. We'll see you next Monday. All right, Andy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of The Chicken Whisperer.
All right, folks, thanks so much for uh, staying with us today. Hope you enjoyed today's uh, topic. I know I sure did. Learned a lot, always do, from Peter Brown, also known as the Chicken Doctor, founder of First State Vet Supply. Uh, dot com. Also, we've got an episode, I know, this Thursday with Dr. McCray, and it looks like it's going to be, scroll down here to August, Food Safety and Your Eggs. Food Safety and Your Eggs is the topic for this Thursday with poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McCray. Also, a reminder that this Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the free Absolutely free educational webinar presented by USDA APHIS and CDC and yours truly, the Chicken Whisperer. Uh, lots of great topics, including avian influenza, salmonella, um, the molting, uh, getting ready for winter, getting ready for fall, um, different things to keep your flock and your family healthy and happy uh, for the rest of the year. You can register there at healthybirdswebinar.com. That's www.healthybirds with an S. HealthyBirdsWebinar.com. Register, and uh, we'll see you this Thursday at 7 p.m. And then again, we'll see you this Thursday, uh, again, during the day and in, in the evening. So I uh, hope you have an absolutely uh, wonderful week this week. We'll see you here before too long, and uh, God bless everybody.